Um, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be starting out uh, with a little bit of geometry. A little bit of geometry. Let me explain that in just a second. I want to start out by reading Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Geometry. Uh, geometry, I got a special place in my heart for geometry. Um, when I was in high school, I uh, started dating a girl in geometry. I've told the story so many different ways, but I ended up marrying her, and we've been married for 16 years. So I'm really bad at math, but I love geometry. <laughs> I met her in geometry class. Um, and, and so, uh, but I learned something. Uh, it, it's kind of scientific. It's kind of mathematic, and it's something that we just call an if-then statement. Do you, do you know this, uh, this, this concept, if A, then B? Like, if you and I are both getting chased by a bear in the woods, then I need to run faster than you. Like, it's just like a... You know, it's a handoff, if then. And so you can learn a lot about a situation if you know the if then statement. Uh, you can also learn about what's not true. Like, if a bear is not chasing me, I might not have any reason to run. You know, it's like there's, so the if then. So Paul starts off with this if thing and this then thing. And so it gives us some ifs. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, you can learn a lot about the if side. Because you first look and you say if, and you're like, well, what if not? Look, it's, it's real life. You might not feel encouragement from being united with Christ. You might not feel that in your life right now. Might not be where you are. Maybe you have some animosity because of whatever some things have happened in your past. Maybe you don't feel any comfort from his love. I've been there. We're like, man, I'm at the bottom right now, and I don't know. Like, God, I know you're there. I feel that you're there. I trust that you're there, but I don't feel the comfort from your love. If any common sharing with the Spirit, you might be like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that is deep. If any tenderness and compassion, you might not feel those things. The thing about the if-then statement is it teaches us also what's possible. It's possible to feel a united uh, sense with Christ. It's, it's possible to feel the comfort from his love. It's possible to have that tenderness and compassion. It's possible, possible to share in his spirit. It's possible to have all that. I, I wanna tell you something. If you're not feeling that way this morning, if you feel beat up and rejected and dejected and hurt and pain and all this stuff, I want you to know, I'm so glad you're here. Like life was too hard to walk alone. We need this community. We need this thing together. I love what we're doing today by having a shorter church service and then going and doing lunch together. And I hope you real stick around. Because without those meals we share and the chance we get to get into each other's homes and to have the coffee together and to play board games, and to, like, we don't get to experience the community that is the body of Christ if we have the opportunity to do it. So I'm glad you're here. And I hope that you can stick around. I always say this, stick around one more week. We're starting a really cool teaching series next week at the movies. We're doing movies that are based around fights, so wars and fights. And I, I let the cat out of the bag last week what the first movie is going to be. We're going to be a movie from 1976 starring Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. We'll be looking at some scenes from that, but really just talking about some of the spiritual battle we're going through and the fight that it takes. But, so maybe you need that. Maybe you need to be in this community. If, but here's the thing. If we're in Christ, then some things should be true. Here's what we find. Verse 2. 
then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. I love the way this is phrased because it's just saying, listen, it is possible to feel this union with God, to feel this union with one another, and then come to a place where we can find unity. We spent the last uh, seven weeks going through the book of Romans, and one of the biggest themes in the book of Romans is unity within the church. And so it kind of comes up here again. So how do we do that? What, 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 what do we do to be like-minded? The concept of being like-minded, you look at the world around it and we're so polarized and there's so many different things that, that can pull us apart and make us not feel unified. What does that look like? What does that mean? Look back at verse two and then verse three. He says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mine. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. What does it mean for us to seek the heart of God? What, what does it mean for us to be like-minded? The word that jumps out here is a word that's not a real popular word. Well, I don't know, maybe it is. The word humility. We live in a culture where humility is a mixed bag. In fact, I would say that I think as a culture, we would say humility is a virtue because no one wants to be called arrogant. I mean, you watch uh, professional athletes and people holding out on contracts because I'm so good, I'm the best. Or, or you watch your coworker who just thinks they're all that in a bag of chips and you look at them and you're like, you're really not. You're like maybe half a bag of Fritos, like best best case scenario, you know what I mean? But, but when we look at people being arrogant, we don't want to be, we want to be humble, but when you, what is humility? Is humility just saying, oh yeah, I'd rather you not talk about me in public. I mean, you can talk about me, just not while I'm around. Like, you know, the, the, the social media culture has made it all about me, 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 me. I, I remember someone saying that uh, our, our, our social, social media face, sorry, our social media profiles are what the inside of a high school locker used to be. And, and if you remember that, I mean, you open your locker and you're like, you got your picture of your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you got, you got your, your class picture because you're a stud, you know, you're looking at that. You got your best grades, you got your favorite things. It's all pasted in there and looking good because this is my life. But what we've done with social media is we've taken that, we've put it out in public and it's inflated because guess what? People like it. And all of a sudden it becomes about mine, 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 mine. And we're not thinking about others. And we're quicker to look at a group of people that are different than us and say, you know what? I think we'll just avoid them. Verse three and four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking for your own interests, but for the interests of others. Others first. Others first. It's not just a motivational speech, you know. These are the words of the Apostle Paul describing for us what it means when we find unity with Christ. And when we really tune in to what he's about, we tend to look at humility as a virtue. But I want to get a little time machine, and I want to go back to the first century as Paul writes this, and I want you to understand something. The concept of humility was not something people would strive for. It wasn't popular. When you thought about humility, what you would think about would be servitude, uh, meagerness, 
poverty. We're talking about a Greco-Roman world that was all about money and wealth and position and politics. And if you were low man on the totem pole, your only aspiration is to climb, 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 climb. And if you're on top, you're trying to kick it. Kip, kick everybody else off the mountaintop. You want everybody else to be down so you can be up. And so this is revolutionary teaching. When Jesus says these things, when Paul says these things, he's like, listen, you gotta break down the barriers of culture. You gotta quit kicking people down. Some of the most crazy things Jesus said were these up, down, upside down phrases like, if you wanna be first in my kingdom, you gotta make yourself last. You gotta become the servant of all. In fact, to find your life in me, you've got to lose your life. That's upside down. That challenges the very heart of who we are as humans because I want to win. I want to be first. And when we talk about humility and putting others first, I think it's easy for us to look at certain people and say, I, I put people first. You know, it's really easy for me to look at my kids, my wife, my friends, my church family, and be like, guys, I would do anything for you. Yeah, I would, and you would, you would do things for me, and we would do that. We would give the shirt off of our own back to a family member. This isn't what Paul's talking about here. He's like everybody, especially the outcast, especially the person that's different than you, especially the person with a different color skin than you or who speaks a different language than you or who lives in a different socioeconomic class than you or lives in a different political climate than you. He's like, those people, those people are hurting and they need to know the love of God. And you know the way they're gonna know it? Is you're gonna lower yourself and you're gonna show them the love of God. And it comes directly out of something Jesus did. We look at verse five. We're gonna get all the way through verse 11 today. This is such, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. He says, in your relationships with one another, you should have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Notice, uh, there's that word mindset again. It was earlier in the thing, we'll keep reading verse six. The same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus was God in the flesh, okay? He, and, and another translation says he didn't consider something that he should cons- grasp onto. He was God. He is God. But God allowed a portion of himself to become human. And to come le- live this life, he said, I, I, ha- I have all the power in the world, but I'm going to become a human. Verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality of God something to be used for his own advantage. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. He made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant. This is a huge teaching about Jesus. And Paul's suggestion is this. You need to put others first. Oh, you want to know what that looks like? Look at Jesus, who was God. But because he saw our condition and our sin in the world, and he said, listen, I got to go down there and show them the way back to me. And he lived a life. You know, Jesus could have come in any way he wanted to. He could have come rich and wealthy. He could have come in a mansion. He could have come in modern day time so he could have cars and running water and all this stuff. But he chose a whole different life. He came as the, the son of a poor carpenter and a woman in the middle of nowhere. No name to call their own. 
And as he grew up, he spent three and a half years just wandering in the, the countryside and going from town to town teaching and carrying this ragamuffin group of disciples along with him. And as he's teaching, he says things like, you know, the son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't have where to call home. This is, this is God in the flesh who said, you know what, the way I'm going to show the world my love is I'm going to stoop down to the lowest position. I'm going to live like a homeless person. And I'm going to walk around and I'm just simply going to show Love. I can't help but think about the time that he stooped down beside this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. This is in one of the gospels, and he's just and he sees this woman. She's been caught in the very act. She's been drug out into the middle of the street, and in the time in that culture, it was a crime punishable by death. And he gets down on a knee beside her, and he has this whole conversation. Eventually, he tells the guys around her they're ready to stone her with rocks. Like, listen, you know what? If any of you guys have never screwed up, go ahead and throw the first rock. Go ahead. One by one, the rocks fall, and they walk away. And it's just Jesus and this woman who is ashamed. I'm just imagining covered in nothing but a bed sheet, and she's sitting there just ashamed and humiliated, and she's in the middle of people that know who she is. And he goes, listen, you need to just go from here and sin no more. Your accusers are gone. I'm not here to accuse you. I'm here to help you have a new start. And here's the, I want to make this clear. God's got a real big policy about sin, he doesn't like it. It separates us from him. We need to eradicate it from our lives. But he also knows that we are stupid, foolish humans who make mistakes. And he stooped down very literally to our level and said, listen, I see what you're doing, but look at me. Look me in the eyes. You can have a fresh start. Get up. Get up and walk some more. And that testimony, what he did there was the biggest picture of what it means to stoop down, to be humble, to put others first. And what Jesus offers us is a new start. Look at verse eight of our passage in Philippians. He says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Death on a cross was reserved for the most vile of criminal. I mean, this is, this is for uh, the person that's doing crimes against the state or that is somehow uh, just, I mean, violated major, major stuff. And that, that's the way Jesus goes down. It'd be one thing if Jesus was like, you know, I'm gonna come live a human life, I'm gonna live to the ripe old age of 75 and I'm gonna die. And I think that if we step back and look at that, we'd be like, wow, that's crazy that God would do that, that he would come and live a human life and die a natural death. That's crazy. But he didn't just, just die. He died a, a brutal death, a death of a criminal because he decided he was wanted to show us what it meant to be obedient in humility. It's insane. Now, I do want to share, if, if you don't know this part of the story, Jesus didn't stay dead. He was God. Three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the celebration every Sunday. That's why we're going to have a communion session in a minute. We do it every week. We celebrate this resurrection. But just take ourselves to the picture of God in the flesh saying, look, I understand. I want to be down there with you, and I want you to get back up. Others first. And so here's the deal. Jesus wants that attitude to become a part of who we are. When I say we, I want you to know everyone in this room is included. I mean, if, if you're with us today, I want you to know, like, you're, you're welcome to join our party. You're welcome to be part of our family. And as a group, I want us to be a group of people who is shining light into the darkness of this city. And one of our biggest call signs can be others first. Not even me second. Like, I'm not even worried about my position. Others first and me wherever. Just as long as other people get to see the love of God in my life. Paul, the same guy that wrote Philippians, he wrote this book, Romans, that we studied the last seven weeks. And in, in Romans chapter five, he shows even more concisely 
the humility and the love of Jesus. Romans 5 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Like very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is just who Jesus is. And so often I've heard this phrase that, you know what, I'm just trying to get my life back together and figure things out and clean things up so I can then live for God. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't try to get stuff cleaned up before you come to me. Come to me so that you can get things cleaned up. While we were still sinners, he gave his life for us. He, know, he knows what we're gonna go through. He knows the pain. He knows the brokenness. He knows our mistakes. He's like, in your mess, in your nasty, just come to me. I'll give you rest. Just, you just carry my love, you carry my light, you carry my peace, you carry my message, you keep that in your life, I will work on purifying you, I will work on taking care of you, and you shine that light to the world around you. And this is how our verse in Philippians wraps up, verse nine. Philippians two, verse nine through 11, therefore, this is, this is the therefore, this is almost like an if then, you know? This is the end result of all this humility that Jesus did, therefore, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. I love that. Like there are spiritual powers in this world that are anti-God, that are bringing us down. The devil made me do it kind of phrases that we use, right? There is spiritual warfare happening behind the veil all the time. I believe it with all my heart. I see it in my own life and other people's life. And this says that every knee will bow to Jesus in heaven and on earth. Like not just humans, but even spiritual forces one day will bow down to the name of Jesus. And that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The deal with humility, I think, others first, begins with one major step. I think it begins with taking a knee at the throne of Jesus, every one of us. Because here's the deal. I could walk out of here, I could, I don't know, give change to every man and woman on the corner with the cardboard sign. I could build houses for hurricane victims. I could, I could help people in domestic abuse, abuse shelters. I could do all these things by my power and by my name and guess what? He would be nice and it would help those people, but I still got a gap between me and God. But if my first step is to take a knee at the throne of Jesus, say, Lord, you know my mess, you know my, my mess up, my mistakes, but I wanna come to you and say, Lord, I'm here to serve you. I'm yours, all of me, all my mess and all my brokenness. And then from that position, every knee will bow, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. If I'm in that position, he raises me up. He says, great. Now you got a story to tell. And he sends us out. And we can give glory to God with our lives. Let your light shine before men so that people see their good deeds. See your good deeds, but then give glory to their Father in heaven. Those are Jesus' words. So a couple questions as we wrap up. Do you need to take a knee? Maybe taking a knee for you is like, okay, I'm not trying to get all religious. All right, I just got here, so <laughs> chill out on that. Okay, okay, that's fine. Maybe taking a knee is 
Start thinking about some things that were said. Start getting into God's word a little bit. Maybe this, like I said, come back next week. Step in with some Christian community. I'll tell you one thing that we try our best to do is be a safe place for you to grow in your faith journey. Like we're not here to throw stones at anybody. We're just here to say, look, we're all down on the knee and we're trying to do this together. Come back next week. Maybe do the whole next teaching series with us. Just stick around. See what that does in your life. Maybe a step for you is you actually need to just take the knee. Uh, Listen, when we see people accept Jesus in scripture, we see this beautiful thing. It's a ceremony he's set up for us. We confess with our mouths that we want to live for Jesus, and then he allows us to go through this ceremony of baptism. Right through this hallway, right across there, we got a big old swimming pool that we got permission to baptize people in anytime we need. And you can go over there, and you can, maybe you need to have some conversations about this, but I'm, I'm talking to you if you kind of already know, like, I need to give my life to Jesus. Like, that's, I need to do that. Look, we can help you do that. This, this morning, there's going to be a group of people you can talk to during our, our last song. You can step to the back of the room, have a conversation, maybe talk to them about that. But maybe for you, it's like, I got to bend the knee. Maybe for you, you've already bent the knee a couple times, and it's just some, somebody needs to get behind you and just kind of push you down one more time. <laughs> All right. And look, it ain't me. It ain't me doing it. Okay, I'm just sharing Paul's word. That's the Holy Spirit on your shoulder saying, look, boy, look, girl, take a knee. And you can do this right here in your seat in the next few minutes and say, look, I'm trying. I'm going to do this again. No better the time than, than, than what is the true new year of our society, which is the beginning of a school year. <laughs> Like our true New Year's is like August, September. That's when we really get our schedules. Re- look, let's, let's make this a recommitment time for all of us. Where we can get in and just say, look, let's do this. And guess what we get to do from that position? After we've taken a knee, we rise and we get to put others first. And no more is mine, 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 mine. But we say it's his, his, his. And we get to share that light with everybody around us. I wanna just close with the passage we started with. This is Philippians 2, starting at verse one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Let's pray.